Penn State's searching for a number three wide receiver. Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace have seemed to separate themselves from the pack, but jury's still out on who's going to be that third guy. We're going to figure that out in today's episode, plus some other takeaways from Penn State's final open spring football practice. You are locked on Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. My name is Zach Seiko, your host. And Locked On Nittany Lions, now privileged to be partnered with Penn State Rivals. That's right. Locked On Nittany Lions, now your go-to podcast for Penn State Rivals. Visit PennState.Rivals.com. It's your source for everything Penn State Athletics. That is PennState.Rivals.com. And this is the final final open practice for Penn State football uh, is in the books where media is allowed to go and shoot and, and take notes for about 15 to 20 minutes, what you can accurately gather uh, in that span. Plus, uh, you get to hear from James Franklin and some select players and coaches after practice. So J1 Sider, Terry Smith, Adisa Isaac, just to name a few, uh, Harrison Trey Wallace, uh, Fat Man, Katron Allen, and you're going to pick up more takeaways from that, the the quotes and the answers to questions that you get from those individuals uh, than you can in 20 minutes. But this episode is going to basically explain everything that was jotted down in a notebook. So I wrote a notebook for PennState.Rivals.com. And just to kind of all the takeaways, everything that I observed from both practice and the interviews, but this is going to elaborate uh, on a lot of those key takeaways. And the first one is the fact that the Nittany Lions do not have a true third wide receiver. And we don't know if they're even on campus yet. So uh, let, let's start with that. James Franklin, this was most notably coming from the, the post-practice presser. James Franklin said that Penn State does not have a third wide receiver. He gave praise to Keandre Lambert-Smith, which is good. He's the veteran. He's the old guy in the room. And then Harrison Trey Wallace. Trey Wallace has stepped up in a big way. So those seem to be, and, and that's been consistent across these, it's going to be 15 spring practices with the Bloom White game on Saturday. But that, that seems to have been the consistent case where it's been Lambert-Smith, Lambert-Smith, Wallace, Wallace, Wallace then really nobody else. Uh, so let's get to the bottom of that. Uh, who who could factor in to be Penn State's third wide receiver? And I'm thinking this is coming from the slot. I think Keandre Lambert-Smith uh, is holding down his position as the Z, which is that one boundary receiver. And then on the other side, that's Trey Wallace. That's the guy who came in a lot uh, when they moved Mitchell Tinsley inside. Uh, Trey Wallace was usually that guy that came in after uh, and was pretty consistent on the field as a second stringer last year. But this time he seems to have solidified that spot. So I think the third wide receiver spot we have to identify is the slot position. And that's the one that Parker Washington is vacating. And it's a very difficult position. Um, I, I can't say that it's the most complicated of the three, the X, the Y, the Z, the Y is the slot. And typically your X wide receiver is your number one target. That's your primary target. Uh, it, it's what uh, Jahan Dotson was and, and Sean Clifford had that good relationship. You want them to be that number one target that can basically in this Penn State offense and a Mike Yersich offense, they have the capability of running option routes. So I, if I had to say which one was the most important, that would be, but the slot wide receiver, you know, that's supposed to be your go-to like the tight end. That's supposed to be essentially a safety blanket and it, it seems like no one has really stepped up in this case. Um, 
And when asked about it, you know, James Franklin was specifically asked what names, what players have stepped up. And he just flat out said all of them. <laughs> it's an open competition for whoever wants to take that third spot. But we know for a fact that Lambert Smith and Wallace are going to be your two receivers. But who could be the third? Uh, if you're looking at the slot receiver specifically, Liam Clifford got on the field quite a bit last year out of that slot position. Uh, is he taking that next step? We don't know because we don't have uh, too many indicators. Uh, someone else that you could consider is former four-star, five-star, depending on what you looked at, and that's Caden Saunders. He's now a redshirt freshman. He's someone that's supposed to factor in the special teams game, maybe be the punt returner this year, and someone that is a traditional slot receiver. Like He would be the person to put in the slot. Uh, those two players come to mind. Now, if we're going to go across the board here, someone who I've heard a lot of positive things from special guests like Aeneas Hawkins ha has said this quite to me many times. Uh, you've heard it from players, particularly Trey Wallace after practice said this to me. I asked him and I said, who do you think is going to be the wide receiver in that third spot or just who at least has stepped up in your mind? And he was not shy to say Amari Evans. He said Amari Evans has, has put in the work uh, and, and has really been the teammate that has stood out to him for that third spot. So uh, Amari Evans will get consideration here, at least just what we've gathered from what another teammate says. Uh, other players that I guess could be factored in Anthony Ivy. I don't know that Malik McLean would be a slot receiver. He's your six foot four, 220 pounds. Same thing with Malik Mega. Malik Mega is a tall wide receiver. He's going to be more of a guy on the boundary. Uh, would that push Lambert Smith into the slot? It just doesn't seem likely. It, it seems that Trey is going to be the X. Lambert Smith's going to be the Z, and then the jury's out on the slot, the Y position. But there's also the chance that Dante Cephas, I let off with the fact that this wide receiver might not even be on campus. Dante Cephas, who has committed verbally to Penn State, needs to sign and then needs to get to work right away because he didn't transfer in this semester like Malik McLean did. Dante Cephas is still at Kent State. He's still biding his time. I know he's working on his game as an individual, but has not had the chance to build that chemistry with Drew Aller, and that's very important. So the second he can get on campus for the summer session, Dante Cephas could really shake up the depth chart, and I think that's why you bring a guy like him in. But James Franklin, uh, not uh, not hiding away from anything. He he says that that third wide receiver position is wide open. Uh, you could lean Amari Evans, uh, Dante Cephas. He's the veteran. I think he could shake up the depth chart, maybe move some guys around so that the three best guys can get on the field. And that ultimately, I think, will be Dante Cephas, Keandre Lambert-Smith, and Trey Wallace when all is said and done. It is Locked on Nittany Lines. Plenty of takeaways uh, from this final open practice to the media, uh, in both including the media availability and, and what was witnessed in person for uh, a nice, generous 20 minutes by the Penn State football team. But before we move any further, let's hear from our sponsor of today's episode, and that is Built. Are you looking for a delicious snack? but don't want all of the sugar and calories, then you need to try the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built. You got to try this. And if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've just got the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Pops. Built Bars are healthy and taste amazing. Seriously, they're so amazing, you won't think they're good for you. That's why you got to try them. And what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That is right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies, and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better 
is in fact they are healthy only 130 calories four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein and now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years we've been talking about ordering built bars at built.com but now you can go to your local walmart or sam's club and you can get your specialty flavors still at built.com that's right so head to the nearest walmart today walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars you can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream or double chocolate bar or coconut puff and if you're close to sam's club run in and grab a 13 bar box of hit flavors like brownie batter and churro puff drew you can thank me later and thanks so much for making Locked on Nittany Lines your first listen and watch every single day proudly to be partnered with PennState.Rivals.com. Just wrote that practice playbook for Tuesday, April 11th, the final open practice for media. It will conclude with the 15th. All college teams, all football teams get 15 spring practices. And that's what the blue and white game is. It's a glorified spring practice. It's the final one, but now Penn State is actually going to get uh, that traditional blue and white game that I, I think fans have been craving for a long time. So that's one of the uh, other takeaways. And this is something that w- James Franklin was very proud of with the uh, opening presser to kick off spring practices. But he alluded to the fact that they would like at the time to hold a traditional spring practice, meaning that you can have some more uh, more scrimmages. You're not going to necessarily have just a bunch of drills and, and players running around for two hours, but rather you're actually going to get team drills. We're going to have Drew Aller going against the defense, Bo Prabula, again, all these types of things. I don't know how they're going to keep score necessarily. Scoring might still be, you know, if the defense forces a three and out, they get two points, that kind of thing. It's not going to be a traditional. I would love it. This is just me personally. I would love it if the blue and white game was an actual pick em where you had two captains. You had the defensive captain and the offensive captain. So let's just say Keaton Ellis, for example, and Drew Aller. And those two guys get to pick teams And then basically they go out and they compete in in a true game-like scrimmage where it's blue versus white. You're not going to get that. It's going to be offense versus defense. Um, But maybe it does go back. So Penn State just hasn't elaborated on what that traditional blue and white game will look like. But now you can have this, and this is the, the overall takeaway, is the fact that Penn State's offensive line is one of the most talented and the deepest that it's ever been in James Franklin's tenure. This is not an exaggeration. I know this this drum is beat every single year, but this is the case. It just is with the work that James and Phil Troutwine have put in on the recruiting trail. They have finally built a system where they have not only amazingly talented players from the young guys to the veterans now like Olu Fushanu. Uh, they, they just have it built where they can have 10 different guys. That's what they've said. 10 different guys could see serious playing time that they feel confident in throughout the season. So Penn State fans, if one player or two go down, I don't want to say that. I got a wooden desk in front of me. I'm going to knock on it because I don't want to see any of those guys get hurt. But at the same time, Penn State finally has the reinforcements. And why Penn State couldn't do a traditional Bloom White game in the past was because of the lacking numbers on the offensive line. You had injuries, you had bumps and bruises, you had guys that couldn't participate. And if you can't, that's the thing. They couldn't even get five offensive linemen, six maybe, in these past spring games to do these types of things, to hold that traditional game. So 
fans should be really excited in the fact that the Penn State's offensive line is going to be one of the best. When talking to Katron Allen, he said that he believes Penn State's offensive line is best in the country. No bias, no bias from him. But I, I'm going to tend to believe that he's if he's confident in the offensive line and he's that confident, that, then I'm going to buy into that as well. Another takeaway, let's flip it over on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So where the offensive line has a bunch of depth, the defensive line does not. And James Franklin, not even asked about it, just kind of expressed his expressed what he was thinking about the the most recent practice for April 11th. And he said that the defensive line just needs depth and they're probably still looking in the transfer portal. I don't know what reinforcements they could go get, but they're just, they're thin. I, I would say to go along with that, uh, Zane Durant continues to come a long way. He seems to be the guy that is consistently running with the first team. And again, media members get about 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes on a good day to, to go see once a week what is going on with some of these position drills. And it just seems to be that Zane Durant is always one of the first guys to go and with the first string defense. So I'm going to buy in that he's going to be a starter this year. I, I think he's pushing for reps. He's either going to be a co-starter or the true starter defensive lineman. This isn't going to change from John Scott to Deion Barnes. They're going to cycle through. These guys are going to be constantly moving in and out from Chop Robinson and Disa Isaac to Zane Durant, Devon Elise, Hakeem Beeman, whoever. They're just going to rotate in a lot. So it's a matter of who gets that snap count, but I think Zane Durant's going to have a lot of reps and he's going to make a lot more plays, but hey, James Franklin uh, definitely addressing that the defensive line is not what it could be and what it should be and what they want for this year. So if there's any weak link on this team outside of special teams, because special teams really does need to sort itself out. We don't know too much else from that. Uh, I would say that defensive line it's just it needs some reinforcements and they got to find them in the transfer portal before it's too late i would also add here if we're talking about defensive starters maybe there are some guys banged up at cornerback we don't know necessarily i'm not going to try to pretend that i do know but johnny dixon was out there with the first group they were doing some defensive alignment drills uh like i said zane durant was out in the first group they were looking for gap assignments and just kind of the way the defense has shifted the way the offensive play was breaking in a hypothetical situation and johnny dixon was out there with the first cornerbacks and Keaton Ellis for what it's worth. So they're kind of, you get an idea of what the secondary is going to look like on the defensive side of the ball. Let's flip it back over to the offense because this is just everybody, uh, I think, wants to save controversy. And Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, Jackson Smollett, they are all fine and well. They're healthy. They're all taking equal reps. So, and that refer that goes back to when James Franklin said that he was going to get equal reps for all of those guys. He held true to his word. He stuck to it. Jackson Smolik was throwing at the exact same time as Drew Aller. Sure, there was some rotation for some other drills, but when Penn State could, they had the chance to, they were able to get Drew Aller, Bo Prabula, and Jackson Smolik all throwing at the same time. So there wasn't too much of a preference. And they need to create depth. That ultimately is that takeaway because, if Drew Aller, again, knock on wood, we're not we're not jinxing anything here on this show. But if Drew Aller is not available, that means it turns over to Bo Prabula. And then after that, your backup to Bo Prabula is Jackson Smolik. All three of these guys have to be ready to go in at any given time. They have to be ready, aware, and just know the situation. So 
there's no time to waste in getting these guys as many reps as humanly possible at the quarterback position. But in terms of some, some simple timing and throwing concepts, they were able to hit their receivers in stride, uh, Tight spirals, you know, Drew Aller and Bo Perbula looked a little more seasoned than Jackson Smollett. That's not a surprise, but I like the way they all spin the the football. They do an excellent job, uh, and, and they were just in sync with some simple slants, some simple crossing routes, some swing passes from what we saw this past Tuesday. With that, let's move to the final segment of this episode of Locked on Nittany Lions. Again, partnered with PennState.Rivals.com, your go-to source for all things Penn State Athletics and Locked on Nittany Lions, your go-to podcast of Penn State Rivals. And I, I think those are the most important takeaways from everything that was said. Now, this is more of the overarching, the umbrella, and everything that goes along with it. But uh, James Franklin, uh, by Ben Jones. Ben Jones is a very good writer uh, for statecollege.com, and he was the one to <laughs> uncork the wine bottle and ask Penn State, uh, the Penn State football coach, James Franklin, about NIL, his thoughts and the approach and everything. And James is said, you know, he just paused for a moment and said, you know, that's, that's a very good question. Go check it out. It's on the YouTube page. The, the full 14 uninterrupted minutes of James Franklin speaking with the media and fielding those questions. But when it comes to NIL, Franklin admitted that Penn State was behind and that they've been behind, that they're two years behind, that there were schools when this became legal in July of 2021, name, image, and likeness, you could pay college athletes. James is not afraid to admit that Penn State was behind the eight ball on that one. And I'm not here to point fingers. I'm not here to say, well, it's Sandy Barber's fault or it's Pat Crafts for not catching up or anything like that, or it's the Penn State football program because they didn't know what they were doing. Every state had different legislation, so some schools were going to get ahead of it. Some schools were already prepared in the fact of, okay, everyone knew that in some cases the green light was going to be July 1st, 2021. Well, some schools took advantage of that and said, okay, let's put a plan in place on, you know, start formulating it in March and April of that same year. And, and it seems to be Penn State didn't do that, or at least Penn State didn't do it successfully. So this is what it ultimately, it's a domino effect at this point. So now Penn State is caught up on name, image, and likeness. They're better at it. They're, they're able to recruit better. But there was also the fact of, in this changing landscape of college football, James Franklin also added the fact that Penn State, because they were behind on NIL and playing catch-up with other things, and this stems back to facilities. James Franklin admitted this as well that he was saying, he said, everybody looked at me crazy for discussing facilities and saying that was an important part of recruiting the best players in to Penn State, to Happy Valley, to anywhere. You just need the facilities. That is what matters to these high school football players turning college players. And when you're behind on the facilities and Penn State was playing catch up in that regard, then NIL shows up and Penn State was behind in that regard. And then it's just kind of the next hula hoop that you have to jump through as a college football program. So Penn State is now above water. They're treading it well. That's what it seems to be. But those things, because Penn State chose to be behind on facilities and then NIL, it's put them in this position that if they want to be a top 10 program, they have to be on par with the way. And that's why you see... The, the recruiting dollars that Penn State invests now. And why is Georgia number one every single year? Alabama. You look at a statistic. I can't exactly remember the publication that put this out. But there was the average spending over the past decade 
for recruiting dollars and Alabama and Georgia, it wasn't even close. They had the most money invested in recruiting. So why are Georgia and Alabama always at the top four? Penn State was up there. Penn State was top 10 in spending. Don't get me wrong. I'm not not saying that. uh, And all of these other schools, Ohio State, Michigan, but there was definitely a gap between that third and fourth school from Alabama and Georgia was clearly, I think it was by 5 million or so on average that they were ahead. So James Franklin had his criticisms, but said that Penn State is doing the right things. He also said this, that, Penn State, along with other universities, this is just in in general, that you don't get to pick and choose what you want to be good at. And and this is what stuck out to me. I I thought this was very insightful from Coach Franklin, was the fact that he said that in college football, you don't get to pick and choose what you want to be good at to be a top 10 program. The market sets the criteria. If that may, I hope I'm making sense here because it made sense to me when Franklin was saying it to all of us. The market of college football sets the criteria, and that's the same thing. The players, the people that are committing to these institutions, they set the market. They set the demands of what they need from a college program to commit. So as a Penn State board, as people who support the program and want Penn State to be one of the best of the best in the country, you can't say, well, we want to be good at this, when that's not what matters at the end of the day to the general public. That's, that's just not what matters. So when all said and done, you're going to have to meet the list of expectations that these high school players and, and, and the market that, that is driving it. As Penn State, yeah, I, I totally understand success with honor. It is a little weird paying high school athletes. It's not in and, and new college athletes. It's not the same anymore. This is a different world when it comes to college athletics. But it is here. You can't ignore it. You can't pretend that it doesn't exist. And that's what Coach Franklin is saying. You have to meet the demands of the market or else you're going to be left behind. And and you can't be, you know, scratching your head saying, well, how how is Penn State not a top 10 program? We have we have a great coach. We have great relationships. We do this, 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 this and this. But that is not what makes a great college competitive football program. That's just it at the end of the day. So I'm not going to continue to beat a dead horse from that. It, It was just. It was nice to see Coach Franklin be transparent about his thoughts on NIL. He doesn't keep them uh, hidden from anybody. And and to say that to the media, I think it's also a message to people to just like keep up the pace. And and he said this too. He wants to put the pedal to the metal. He wants to floor it when it comes to NIL. You can't just meet one goal and say, all right, we're done. We don't need to do anything else. That's it. That You have to keep up with it because the next obstacle, the next challenge is going to continue to come with this ever-changing market now that the floodgates are completely wide open. So those are all the takeaways that I had from my practice notebook. Uh, one final thing, it just you know, just a couple little things, right? Uh, Christian Driver, son of former uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver, and that is Donald Driver, very good friends with James Franklin, I might add. It seems that the younger driver has fully transitioned to wide receiver uh, and is not going to be a defensive back. He is going to be a, a wide receiver. Uh, as he was taking wide receiver reps with the group. And maybe he's in the the third wide receiver competition. Who knows? James Franklin said it it was completely wide open. And then the running backs, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of Nicholas Singleton and Catron Allen at the Bloom White game. Uh, They were there. They were practicing in full. And that's the ultimate takeaway is that none of those guys that hurt are hurt. All five of those running backs that are currently on campus, excluding Trey Potts, who is transferring in, 
Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, Emil Davis, Tyler Holtzworth, Tank Smith are all healthy and available. Just in terms of avoiding some bumps and bruises, expect to see a heavier dose of Davis, Tank Smith, Holtzworth. Those are just the guys you're going to see because you want to protect Singleton and Allen uh, because they have Heisman potential. And that's the last thing you need is a fluke injury in spring. So it is Locked On Nittany Lions. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode. Be sure to continue to subscribe and follow along with the channel. So close to a thousand subscribers. I appreciate all the support on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. More episodes are on the way as the Blue and White Spring Game is going to be a highly anticipated event for recruiting. Recruiting is crucial here. It's one of the big events to get the next wave of players to Happy Valley, to Penn State. We're going to bring back on Dylan Calligan Crowley to analyze all the recruits and the big names that are going to be there on Saturday, plus so much more. It'll all be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.